Hi, this is Harlan Landis. We're here at FinCon 15, and you're listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast. Listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast, where you learn how to earn income, live better, and put your money to work for you. Here's your guide on your path to personal profitability, Eric Rosenberg. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Personal Profitability Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Eric Rosenberg, and I'm here doing something special and different that we've never done before on the podcast. We are recording live. We are on the floor at FinCon, the financial blogger conference in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I am here with some very special guests I'm thrilled to have. Sitting on my right, which I know you can't see because you're listening, is, uh, is Harlan Flexo Landis, <laughs> Luke Landis. He, he goes by many names. He is the, uh, the mastermind behind Consumerism Commentary, one of the biggest personal finance blogs out there, and also the guy behind the Plutus Awards and uh, Plutus Foundation, which we'll talk about in a minute. On my left is Pat Flynn, online blogging and um, online income superstar, who I'm thrilled to have here with me. And next to him is Jeff Fruworth from Society. Sustainable Life blog, one of my very closest friends who I actually met at FinCon. So I'm thrilled to be here together. Phil Taylor, the man, is walking by right now. Um, he's the, the founder of FinCon. So it's, a, it's great energy. It's great to be here. So I wanted to start um, asking Pat some questions because I know he has a, a, a busy schedule. He's an in-demand guy. So Pat, could you, uh, for, for those of you who are not familiar with you, can you say like your little elevator pitch, your background, and what you're all about? Uh, sure. Well, you know, a lot of people know me from smartpassiveincome.com where I build businesses kind of on the side and just share everything that happens, everything that goes right, everything that goes wrong. And, you know, a lot of things do go wrong, but it's always a lesson for everybody involved. And how that got started was actually I used to be in the architecture industry and uh, I got laid off in 2008 and I took some knowledge I had with an exam that I took and turned that into a business which generated over $200,000 within a year after that and I was just completely bl blown away by that. I mean, my whole perception of online business beforehand was kind of just scams and you know, red alert, red alert, all that kind of stuff and here I was doing it but in a way where I was providing value through my study guides and practice exams but not only that, I was getting these incredible notes of thank yous from people who were like, Pat Flynn, I can't believe you helped me pass my exam and it was really cool to see the difference in terms of recognition from when I was an architect working really hard and you know not really know not really being known to this little scrappy kid who created this website that now everybody thinks like I'm awesome um, and I'm just trying to help people and now I have a podcast that's done really well over 20 million downloads uh, since starting it in July 2010 I have a TV channel SPI TV on YouTube as well and uh, I'm, I'm truly blessed to have uh, gone through this crazy journey and I just want to share everything with people and you know a lot of people also know me because I post my income reports every month on my site and uh, you know it goes up goes down but there's always a lesson involved and again just thank you for having me yeah thanks for being here uh, next we'll go to uh, the man of many names Mr. Landis would you uh, share your uh, what, what you're all about where you started from sure well I started um 
consumerism commentary from a place where I was in a really bad financial situation myself. Um, I had been working in a nonprofit. I had been making very little money. I had been spending, making poor decisions on spending. Um, I lost my job. I lost my apartment. I lost my girlfriend. Um, I lost my car, all within the span of a couple months. And uh, it's kind of hurt. Yeah, it was a little bit of a um, you know eye-opening experience for me. And uh, I started reading about managing my own money and figuring out what I had to do to improve myself. And as a longtime blogger before that, I decided, well, I'm going to set up a blog to kind of track my progress. So that's how consumerism commentary started. It never started as business. I didn't plan for it to be successful. I just uh, wanted to share what I was going through um, and learn more about money myself. So it turned into a business in the long run. Um, it did well. This was at a time when there weren't a lot of personal finance blogs around. So it was great to be at the forefront of this huge community that we see today. And, um, you know, being able to be here at FinCon 15, 12 years after I started the blog, is, is a great experience for me. So I'm happy. Awesome. Jeff, uh, you've, you've been on a couple times before. So if you can give us just a quick hello for new listeners who uh, haven't met you, your uh, elevator speech. <laughs> sure. Um, I started... My blog, similar to what Luke was, I had a lot of debt, and I just kind of wanted to keep myself accountable and pay it off, so I figured, why not start a blog? And what I write about mostly is how you can save your money, keep your cash, build more personal freedom in your life, and also do right by the environment at the same time. Awesome. So let's, let's, ask, let's start with some questions. Uh, and Jeff, think of some questions as well. I'm going to start, put, put you on the spot, Pat. So, you know, you, you know people can, can find you very, pretty much everywhere online, and I know that's been one of your, your key philosophies is be everywhere. So for somebody who's looking to start a new website, a new business venture, something online, and they feel overwhelmed just by being able to, you know, set up a blog and write the first post, do you have any tips on time management and how to prioritize what to do first and how to build up that audience from zero? Yeah, great question. You know, a lot of people see what I do, and I have a blog, I have a podcast, I have a YouTube channel, I have a Periscope, I have all these social media channels and stuff. And it can be very overwhelming coming in seeing, oh, my gosh, I have to do all this stuff. But what a lot of people don't realize is that I didn't do all of them at the same time, and neither should anybody else. You've got to do them one at a time until you master them to a point where then you feel comfortable or they're at a point where they can be automated, and then you can move on to the next thing. And so in terms of priority, you know, start with the platform you're most comfortable with. It doesn't necessarily have to be a blog. It could be a podcast. It could be a YouTube channel. Whatever you feel like you can contribute in the best way possible, you, know, that, that you pick that platform first, and... Uh, then you can expand out from there. You know, a lot of people are starting businesses now not by creating a blog, but by creating a podcast. And a podcast, if you have a voice and you have a personality, it, it really helps you get your message out there. Plus, when you consider there's 500 million blogs out there and only maybe half a million podcasts, you know, it's very wide open. And plus, iTunes does a good job of helping to give you exposure, as opposed to what most people do is they start a blog and there's all that competition out there. And uh, the only people reading it at the beginning are like your roommates and your mom and, you know, a couple friends. Yeah, I don't even know if my mom reads my blog. I was a little... <laughs> well, my little, mom doesn't read my blog either. But um, so... If you were going for someone who you know, sees all of these different platforms, you said pick the one that you're most comfortable with. If someone is new to all of these platforms, 
Do you have a favorite for someone starting out from scratch that you think has the best opportunity for traction early on? Yeah, I mean, I think, the, like I said, the podcast is the, is the best way to go because you can really form a great, real, honest relationship with the people who are listening on the other end. You know, it's interesting because when I started out, I was a blogger. I was blogging three times a week, and then I introduced a podcast in 2010, and it was just a podcast that came out every other week because I heard about this thing. And it took me a while to get set up, but I was doing it every other week. And then I went to this conference, and everybody who I spoke to could not stop talking about the podcast. And I was like, what about my blog? I blog more than I podcast. Like, what about the blog? No, we love your podcast. We listen to you. And everybody always ends up saying the same thing. Actually, a few people who I already met here said the same thing. And that is, Pat, I feel like I know you. And it's because they're hearing your voice, and they can hear the emotion, the intonation, and you know all, all the expressions and stuff, which you can't get necessarily from a written blog. However, it is important to have a website because people are listening to podcasts on the go, which is cool because your brand, your personality could be a part of their daily lives, but when it comes down to joining your email list or clicking on links or looking at the advertisements that you have on your site, you need to have some kind of hub. And that's where a website comes into play as well. And so again, starting out with one, getting to a point where you feel comfortable with it, then you can expand. So you don't have to do everything at once. And the one recommended resource I have is this book called The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. It's been a game changer for me in terms of helping with productivity, focus, because if you expend all your energy across all these different things, you're going to get nothing done. So focus on one thing at a time. Focus is actually, there's a great acronym for it, and that's follow one course until success. So one thing at a time and focus. That's great. So next question for, for Flexo to my right. So you, you built this blog with a huge audience. You got you know, a, a massive following. Once you got big enough that you felt um, like you had some momentum going, what were your key things you did to help keep the community there and keep people coming back again and again? Yeah, well, that's a great question. I mean, uh, there were two, two things, I think, specifically that I kept in mind as I was going along. The first thing was to figure out what the audience was interested in in terms of how they communicate. Um, and just to be present, I, I think Pat agrees with this, you know, just figure out where they are and go to them. Absolutely. And, yeah, um, I think, you know, one thing I did um, was, again, like Pat, I introduced a podcast a few years into the blog, and it was at a time when there weren't a lot of po podcasts going on. Um, so it was great to initially get that kind of... Um, Get, get that kind of, you know, I really enjoy performing. I like being, I, I like the audio capabilities of a podcast. I, I really liked um, putting myself out there in that kind of format. Um, my mistake was probably not spending enough time doing that. Um, I had someone who was helping me. Our plan was to have a podcast together. I focused on the writing and the business for the blog, and I allowed him to kind of focus on the podcast, and he was, he was great. I mean, everyone loved talking to him, um, but it didn't, it didn't keep my voice out there as much as I would have liked. Um, social media as well, it's always important to be where they are. I always kept in mind that we have to figure out what the next thing is, and if the next thing isn't a blog, figure out what it is and figure out how I need to be there. Great. So, uh, Jeff over there, do you have any questions here coming? And we're coming live from the Trade King stage at the, uh, at the Financial Blogger Conference. So, Jeff, what, any questions for Pat or Flexo? 
Not right now, but I do want to emphasize one thing that Pat said is just focus on one thing and make sure to take action. You guys said be everywhere, which is good, but you have to be somewhere first. You have to do one thing really well. And for anyone trying to build an audience online, earn some money online, you need to focus on one thing instead of telling yourself, oh, well, I started to set up this thing, but then I saw this new shiny object and I started to set that up too. You're not doing anything at that point. You need to focus on doing one thing until you get it down. What's your uh, one thing, your favorite thing that you've done that's shown the most success? Um, I think my one thing has been niche sites at this point that's shown the most success. And now that I've got that down to a point where I'm hiring out content writing, I'm you know, hiring out all backlinking, you know, graphics, anything that I need done for the sites, basically, I'm not doing myself. I'm moving on to something else at this point, which is really exciting, and I'd love to come back on and talk about that in the future, Eric. Awesome. Cool. I'll always have you back. You know, Jeff is one of my, my closest buddies, and I met him through uh, through the financial blogging community, which is awesome that I have you know, friends like this. And um, if you're involved in any type of um, online activity, there is a conference out there for you of some sort. So that's uh, going to be my next question. So, you know, FinCon, you know, we're obviously all here, so we love FinCon. But are there any other favorite conferences anyone has been to before outside of FinCon that you would recommend for someone starting up online? Yeah, I mean, I, I really got a lot out of uh, Digital Collab. Um, this is my second year being a part of it, and um, they're great people there as well. Very, very intelligent, very smart, very savvy in what they do. Um, certainly very successful, and there's a lot for me to learn from them. Um, you know, that's that's pretty much between that and FinCon. That's that's my limit of conferences. I'm, I'll, I'll attend a few here and there, but I don't feel that I get a lot out of them. Um, I feel that the people here are fantastic, and I've made a lot of great friends from FinCon. Um, that's not the case everywhere else. Um, so I'm just really passionate about this community, and I love it, and I love the people, and I love coming back every year. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I owe a lot to FinCon because I attended the first one in 2011 in Chicago, and that was my very first time on stage. And I was deathly afraid of what, what I was doing. I didn't even know what I was doing, but everybody was super friendly and very welcoming, and it, and it started this whole series of speaking events that I did afterwards. So I have to... I mean, PT and everybody here at FinCon is super friendly. If you're looking for a first conference to attend, this is definitely a great one to go to because everybody's really friendly and welcoming and, and open. And, and, you know, yes, the sessions are great. Yes, the booth and the expo is great. But, you know, we all come here for each other. I mean, we're one big family in the personal finance space. And it's not just personal finance bloggers who are here now. It's a whole bunch of other people, uh, which is awesome. But I do go to a lot of conferences. I speak at a number of different ones. And they each have their own great thing. But before even choosing a conference, I would recommend trying to discover, like, who is it that you want to connect with? Or who are you already speaking to online? And try to find out where they're going as well, because that's kind of the cool thing. You know, we're all friends online here, but then when we come and meet in person, you know, you can share a drink, you can uh, hang out and talk between the sessions. It's, it's, it's amazing. But in terms of other conferences, so I enjoyed Podcast Movement, which was uh, in Fort Worth, Texas this past year. That was a, that was a great one. Um, there is Social Media Marketing World in San Diego, run by Michael Stelzner from socialmediaexaminer.com. That's a great one, too. There is also uh, Converted 2015, which I'm speaking at. That's the Lead Pages conference that's happening uh, in Minnesota, actually next month. Um, there is also Track 
traffic and conversion, which is also in San Diego. I guess San Diego is a destination city. I forget that because I live there. Uh, but yeah, traffic and conversion is a great one. But that's more getting into the tactical strategies on, on how to grow your business, everything from how to split test to uh, run Facebook ads. So you know, again, make sure you, when you try and figure out what conferences to go to, figure out who you want to connect with. That's why everybody goes to these. But also look at the content from previous years to see, okay, well, is this something that I'm interested in right now? Because there's this thing that I, I try to get everybody to, to understand, and it goes along with this one thing I talked about earlier, and that is something I like to call just-in-time learning. Because a lot of us get distracted by all the different kinds of content that's out there. You know, there's this thing, and there's this new shiny object, and that new bright thing, and then when you kind of go in all these different directions, nothing gets done. Well, same thing when you learn, and you have to execute, you have to do things. And so I implement this thing called just-in-time learning, and that is... I only try and learn about things that are relevant to the very next one thing that I'm doing. If it's not relevant to that, I don't learn it yet. I put it aside for later. I put it in Evernote. But unless it's to do with that next thing, then I, I don't let it distract me. And by doing that, I've been super focused and productive recently. So uh, hopefully that makes sense here. That's great. Jeff, do you, have you been to any other conferences than FinCon? No, I've just been to FinCon. But I have a question for Pat and uh, Harlan. How, you know, you guys are kind of, to use a, a cliche term, are basically rock stars here. So how do you guys, you know, focus on getting the most out of this when everyone wants to come up and chat with you and meet you guys and pick your brain and, you know, buy you martinis so you can show off your sweet dance moves? <laughs> I will. I, I can't wait to dance. That's for sure. Um, I mean, for me, uh, at this level, I am here to talk to as many people as I can. I love chatting. I love asking about my show. Like for people who come up to me who listen to the show, I always ask, "Well, what do you think I could do better? Or what kinds of guests would you like to see on the show? Or what were your favorite episodes?" That gives me an insight on what I could do to improve the user experience across my website. And plus, whenever you take the time to just talk to anybody, no matter what level you're at, you're going to be remembered. You're going to be talked about. You're going to be shared. And when you provide value to other people in any way, they're going to look for ways to repay you. That, that law of reciprocity uh, comes into play. And that's kind of you know, why I'm here. It's all about the relationship building, for sure. Yeah, I try to make myself as available as possible for anybody who wants to come up and speak to me, no matter whether I've, you know, I'm familiar with their blog or their podcast or their project or not. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm an introverted heart, so a lot of people, big groups of people, isn't something where I'm most comfortable with. Although I do, uh, I do work well with large groups. It's just that, you know, after a while, I'll probably retreat in my room for a few minutes and relax a bit and come back down and, and socialize as much as possible. For me, you know, it's not about going to every possible session I can go to. It's about being available. It's about being present. It's, it's about those chance encounters in the hallway where something might happen and it could, it could really redefine the next step of not just your business but your life just from one side conversation that you have with someone that you might have not even known before. Um, so I think for me it's just being available and uh, being open to new ideas and not trying trying to, um, you know, uh, make myself to a point where people can't approach me. I just want to be completely approachable. That's great. So uh, I want to change gears a little bit. Um, so, you know, the, the basis of the podcast came out of personal finance, and I have some personal finance questions for you guys. Um, so I'll, I'll start with Pat. 
if someone is um, you know working on their first side income project, making a few bucks, how would you recommend they reinvest in themselves and the business versus you know keeping profits um, to help pay the bills or whatever they're doing with their yeah, money? That's a great question. So what do you do with the income that you're earning, no matter how big or little it is? I think it is all about educating yourself and going to conferences like this. Like I think some of the best money you could spend is to go to a conference where you can meet people who can... Uh, like Flexo was saying, literally, one of those conversations could change everything. And, you know, maybe it's somebody who knows somebody who could help you. And, you know, you never know unless you go and put yourself out there. And I'm actually an introvert by heart, too. But I know how important this is for my business. So I do what I can. And I think, you know, investing a little bit back into yourself and the relationships that you could potentially build is, is the most important thing as well. And then also making sure that you know, whatever it is that is working, you optimize that. You do more of that. I think a lot of us, you know, we, we, we try to do too many things and we forget actually there's something that's already working. You could actually improve that or double it or whatever the case may be. You know, we've already lit a fire somewhere else. Why are we trying to rub two sticks together over here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that doesn't even often cost very much to do. Just take what you're doing, optimize it, make it better. Maybe you can invest as well in somebody to help you do those things that you shouldn't be doing as the owner of your business. That's something that took me about four years to understand was how great it was to actually hire other people who could do things better and faster than myself um, so that I can focus on the things that only Pat Flynn should be focusing on my business. So Harlan, a little twist on that. For someone who is in debt looking to start a business as a way to get out of debt, how would you recommend they approach dealing with their debt versus investing in the business? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, debt is one of the most important things to focus on financially if if you're in it. And that's got to be a priority, at least some level. I think everyone has their own level of... um, sensitivity to financial issues. Um, I think it's, you have to look at the bigger picture. It's more than just the amount of debt that you have, but it's what you have to rely on outside of your own financial situation. Uh, A lot of people I know who start businesses have a spouse, um, or at least have a family that um, is there to support them no matter what. And the good thing is, a lot of the businesses that we're talking about don't require you to put a lot of investment into it at first. Um, at least, very beginning, you can get by. I mean, it costs very little to, to run a website. It costs very little to start a podcast. I mean, sure, you can go out and buy hundreds of dollars of equipment, but certainly you don't need to. I mean, there are services where you can basically call a phone number with your phone and record from there and publish, you know, um, in, a, uh, in a service that's already set up for you. Um, there are so many things that you can do without making a big investment at first. Now, down the road, as you're making money um, and your business is profitable, then absolutely, yes, start to pay down that debt. Absolutely. In fact, when, when consumerism commentary started earning money, uh, first of all, it was a total surprise. I never thought it was going to be something that was sustainable. So I just looked at all the money as if it were extra. And I didn't want to live on it. Uh, I just wanted to use it to pay down debt and not have to worry about anything. And after that, put it into savings. And then it wasn't until much, much later that I finally decided that I could quit and actually, um, you know, leave my day job for this for this online business that was earning several multiples of uh, multiples of um, my day job income. 
can I extend off of that? So I, I think one of the best things to do if you are in debt and you need money now, you know, if you try to build a passive income online business, that doesn't happen right away. You know, it takes a lot of time to build an audience and get to a point where you can have sponsors on your show or advertisers or you know create products. It takes time. I think one of the best things you could do is freelance. So you have some skills, some knowledge that somebody else also wants but doesn't have the time to figure out on their own. You could have people hire you to do things. And it doesn't take much to make, you know, some money on the side that can help you. You know, every little bit helps when you're trying to get out of debt, right? And the other thing that I want to mention is, you know, besides the amount of money people think they need to start a business, which, like Flexo said, is, isn't that all that much at all, but it does take a little bit of time. And I think that's where people stop themselves. Oh, I don't have time to do it. You know, I'm already doing this. There is time. Just like how there are ways to save more money, even though we don't think we there is. You know, in the finance world, there's this pay yourself first strategy, right? Before you pay your bills, before any of that stuff, you put in a little bit of money into a savings account, and by you know over time, you're going to amass this amazing nest egg. Same thing with your time. So instead of what most people do is you get up early in the morning because of an alarm to do and work on somebody else's dream, you get up an hour earlier and pay yourself first with time. And that way, you wake up in the morning for yourself, for personal development, to work on your business. And those, even 30 minutes a day, can add up, just like those little savings every single month or every single paycheck. And when you pay yourself first with time, you wake up motivated because that's the time that you have. You're very productive because you know that eventually you're going to have to go to work and work for somebody else. And then what most people try to do that's similar is they kind of tack that on to the end of the day. They say, oh, I'm going to work on my business at the end of the day. Well, by then, you've already expended all of your energy. And, you know, there's only a limited amount of decision-making that we have in our brains every single day. And if you already use that up for somebody else, then it's going to be really difficult to move forward in your own business. So pay yourself with, uh, first with time. So, so Jeff and Pat, you're both, uh, you're both dads. I'll be joining the dad club in about six weeks. Congrats. So, thank you. Thank you. So I'll be, I'll be in there with you. So as, um, as new parents running your own online businesses, you know, Jeff is like me. He, he has his uh, online business on the side, Pat full-time. What are your best tips to, I mean, you were talking a little bit about finding the best time to work on it. How do you balance you know, your, your drive and your online work with your family responsibilities? Um, for me, you'll understand it when you have a kid, but I would rather play with my kid than do just about anything else in the world. And, I, you know, so that becomes a question of, well, now I have to get all these other things done for my side business, but I'd rather play with my kid. So you just kind of got give yourself like three hours one day on the weekend where you're uninterrupted so you can work on your side stuff and then you know one hour in the morning two or three mornings a week and then spend the rest of your time with your family because for me that's what it's all about yeah it's the same thing for me as well i mean especially because i work from home too it's very motivating to have the kids in the house because i want to play with them the whole time you know, and plus every second I waste in my business, for example, if I find myself in a YouTube rabbit hole or, you know, if I'm wasting my time on Twitter, for example, that's time that I'm actually taking away from my family. That's how I think about it. So I'm actually super productive and efficient because I know that the faster I can get through something, the more likely it is I'm going to have more time to play with my kids. Now, it's a very easy thing to say, okay, well, when you're working, focus on work. When you're with the kids, focus on your kids. But I've noticed that, you know, that line gets blurred very often. You know, sometimes I'll be with my family, and you can't help but think about that 
important thing that's happening in your business and vice versa. And two things worked for me very well, similar to what Jeff mentioned, having a schedule for when you do things. You know, we always say, oh, break away from the nine to five, you know, get rid of the nine to five. But the nice thing about the nine to five is at five, you know you're done and you can go and then shift your mind to your family. But you need to have a schedule, even if you're an entrepreneur and working for yourself. So I have certain times of the day where I know that I'm in work mode and then certain times of the day where I can check out. And it's very easy to do that because it's in the schedule. And the second thing is actually having a physical space to do, to do work-related things, where when I'm in that space, I'm in work mindset. And when I'm out of that space, I can't work because I'm not in that space. And so I don't give myself an opportunity to blur those lines. Um, you know, it got to a point where a couple of times, I remember, this was even before I had kids, you know, my wife and I would be talking and, you know, she'd be moving her mouth, but I really wouldn't be paying attention because in the back of my head, there was this email I had to answer, this product I had to create, you know, and I felt really bad because she called me out on it. Like we were having a conversation one time and she's like, are you even listening to me? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you're thinking about your business, aren't you? And I was like, you know, typical guy. I'm like, no, I'm not. No. And she's like, well, what, I, what did I just say? And I said uh, the worst thing possible, which was, well, you're thinking about your business, aren't you? And that led to a heated conversation, but a very necessary conversation because she was like, well, when we have kids, do you want to be the dad who's always thinking about things other than your kids? And I was like, no. And then we figured out this, okay, I need a schedule, I need a physical space, and that helped out a lot. I have to say, I'm in a, I've had similar conversations with my wife, and when starting a few months ago when I knew the baby was coming, I actually started really working to outsource a lot more, and that has taken a lot off my plate. It's actually, as Pat was saying earlier, lets me get more done than I did before. There were a lot of things I was totally ignoring around social media, other things I wanted to do, even some of the things I was doing that I could stop, like some of the blog formatting and all. And uh, outsourcing that, I found a great VA, and she's been um, she's been a wonderful asset. So that's something I've done. I'm, I'm trying to get into that mode where I can I can do what you're doing and draw the line. So that's uh, great advice. Thanks. Yeah. And good luck. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So uh, so another open question for everybody. Um, you know, we, we always talk a lot on our blogs on our websites about what we're doing financially and business wise. We often don't talk as much about our hobbies. You know, I know I know there's someone who's a fan of a certain movie at the uh, table. But what do you guys like to do outside of work, and how do you budget hobby time with work time and, and all the expenses and all that, particularly before you started building up your big incomes? So the movie that was, uh, Eric was talking about was Back to the Future. I'm a huge Back to the Future fan, and this is the year. This is a 30-year anniversary, October is the month when anyway just if you, if you want to see a really awesome thing online google pat coming into what conference did you go in with the delorean that was new media expo yeah, yeah so so google pat flynn new media expo keynote he, the whole talk was amazing i listened to the whole thing but if you just watch the beginning and see pat coming on a delorean i almost had a little chill go up my back and i was thinking <laughs> where we're going we don't need roads no as, as absolutely he you know, I, you know, for me with the hobbies, you know, I always make sure to get the work done and the family time stuff done. But I also use hobbies as a reward system for myself. I say, okay, if I complete this next task, I'll be able to do this. I'll be able to play 30 minutes to an hour of Madden. I'll go online and go 
watch my favorite YouTube channels or I will go to the golf range and hit a couple balls. You know, I use that as motivation. Um, and, uh, you, know, I, you know, I live in San Diego, so I love to surf and stuff as well. And, you know, I make sure to take time on the weekends to do those things. And I try to get the family involved as much as possible. You know, I've learned to become a very big Disney fan, too, through my family. My wife is a huge Disney fan, and my kids are, too. And now... Can you sing all the theme songs? Um, I can show you the world. <laughs> yes, I can. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, it's important to have those hobbies because you could work all day and, and you know, still feel miserable. You need to kind of take breaks every once in a while so you can go back into work feeling much more motivated. How about you, Harlan? What's, uh, what are your big favorite things to do, and how do yeah. you budget for it? Oh, well, I'm, I consider myself multi-passionate. I've got a lot of things going on in my life, and I love doing them all. And they may be hobbies. I don't really consider them hobbies. They're just as important to me in my life as my business would be. Um, I work with the Drum and Bugle Corps uh, as a volunteer. I do quite a lot of work with them, uh, organizing everything that they do. Wait, which corps is this? Uh, the Bushwhackers from New Jersey. Because I used to be in Drum and Bugle Corps. Oh, which corps were you with? I was in Esperanza. Oh, really? Which was an offshoot of uh, the Vanguard and Blue Devils? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. We need right. to talk more. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, you know, I've been passionate about marching for a, for a long time. So, oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, photography, I'm very much into that as well. That I haven't had a lot of time to do lately, uh, mostly because of the summer with the drum corps, but also, um, also it's just, you know, finding the space and time for that. Um, but like I said, it's very important to me. It's as important as everything else that I do in my life, um, even though it doesn't bring in money you know it's 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 important that i focus on these passions just as strongly as i do anything else in my life but jeff you want to chime in yeah I, I think what luke and pat said was kind of important your hobbies kind of recharge your batteries to make you really excited to go back in and kind of get to work and give you a little bit of extra motivation like oh you know if i do all this hard work then i can go relax and you know in pat's case go surfing like, i personally like to go hiking and and mountain biking and things like that so those are kind of how i reward myself you know I, I get to take you know if i work well during the week sometimes i take the entire weekend off from my side business and just spend time with my family and go hiking and whatnot so um do any of you, any, you luke you were just saying you volunteer with um, different organizations, and you uh, you just started a new community-focused nonprofit. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, it's an offshoot of what I've been doing at the Plutus Awards for the last six years. It's the Plutus Foundation. Uh, it's a way for the financial media to pool uh, financial resources together so that we can make change in the world and, and the various causes that we're all very much uh, interested in. Um, it's been growing great so far. We're working right now on uh, identifying a number of programs that we're going to support uh, um, next year. Uh, we've raised some money so far. We know that the fundraising will kick into high gear once we have some programs to announce. But we intend to work with uh, organizations kind of like Big Brothers and Big Sisters who are already in communities. So we're not just visiting strange communities, uh, sharing our financial knowledge, and then leaving. Uh, part of the problem with financial literacy is that uh, the people who need it the most don't have the role models in their homes. They don't have the reinforcement. Um, by, by working with, with organizations that are already in communities who have these role models, we'll be able to have a much better effect on financial literacy across the world. So I'm really excited about that. Right, so, so speaking of community and financial literacy, 
I know there's often a debate about nonprofit versus for-profit to help people and make a difference in people's lives. And with our online platforms, we really do have a global reach, and we can get to people that previously had very little contact with outside countries and outside world. So how do you use your platforms in addition to the, the Bluetooth Foundation to really help people and individuals and then you know, maybe even a larger reach to, uh, to make the world a little bit better of a place? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great question. I think both on the for-profit side and non-profit side, there are great things that we can all do together um, separately and together, work together to um, really improve everything that we, we hold so dear to us in, in terms of financial literacy and financial capability. Um, not just the education, not just how to pay your bills, but the things that we need to do in order to uh, change someone's condition, perhaps over the course of a generation. Um, it's it's a long-term process, um, and it all comes down to eliminating poverty and and making this world a better place. All right, I, know, I know you have to run in a minute. Pat, do you want to chime in on that one? Yeah. Um, you know, I had an interview with Adam Braun, who is the uh, founder of Pencils of Promise, which is an organization that goes around to countries that have children who don't have uh, opportunities in education like we do. And that interview completely inspired me because he talked about, you know, sure, nonprofit or for-profit, whatever. It's for purpose, you know, and having that purpose behind whatever it is that you do that's beyond kind of your just your normal reach can be a tremendous, can start a tremendous ripple effect, you know. And uh, so that, that interview, I actually ended up working with Pencils of Promise. For my birthday last year, I did a um, campaign to raise money to build a school in Ghana. Africa, and uh, we ended up uh, raising over $25,000, which builds one school, and I decided to match that. So we built two schools in Ghana. I visited uh, Ghana this past June, and it was such a life-changing experience. And it was actually really cool to see where the money was put and, and meet the children, meet the students. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now a part of the advisory board for Pencils of Promise, so I'll be able to affect... Um, more people around the world, not just through contributions with, with finances, but also through the knowledge that we have. I think even though we might not have a lot of money to share all the time, we do have knowledge and the ability to you know, put some sweat equ equity into the, to whatever it is we could do to help, too. Now that was a, uh, I was very impressed with that project, and your, uh, your matching on that um, you know, it was very generous and a great way. I, I love seeing entrepreneurs who have come and become really successful give back. I think that's such an, an important lesson for, for all of us. So if you are getting successful, don't forget about everyone who is not yet because they all, they all need our help too. Thank you. So, um, so, so last question to go around for everybody, and I, I want everyone to answer this one. Um, if someone is floundering in maybe in debt, they don't know what they're doing with their finances, they don't have a lot of direction, they just kind of lob a question out to you saying, what do I do first? Can you give me a little help? Where would you guide someone to start getting their finances on track and taking control so they are running, they're running their finances and using them as a tool to better their life rather than having their finances run their life? Yeah, well, it sounds like this, this, this person in this theoretical example has already made probably one of the best choices they can make, and that's to start paying attention and looking at their finances and figure out what's going on. I mean, for me, that was, that was eye-opening. I mean, once I decided to take my head out of the stand, a sand and start looking, that's when I got inspired to make some real changes. Um, and from that point, it's all about be passionately pursuing 
um, change in your life. And it, it comes down to devouring all the media that you can. Um, it's certainly a lot more, it's, it's a lot easier to do that now than it was uh, 12, 15 years ago. Um, when I first started looking, basically the only resources I could find were the Motley Fool discussion boards. Now there are thousands of people out here writing blogs, doing podcasts, trying to help people in that, in the same exact situation. And there's so much available. In fact, it's a little overwhelming, which is why I suggest going to you know some conferences like these where you can fi figure out who's who, who's doing exactly what you want to do, who is who, who who fills the particular niche that you have. I mean, there's so much variety now. All of your passions, you can find someone who is um, who is who's leading people who has the same exact feelings about life that you do. So uh, there's more of a chance of you matching up with someone who's going to inspire you. So search that out. Seek it out. Yeah, my advice is after you kind of understand that this is what you want to do, you, you have to really commit and like really commit. And that, that's the biggest thing to a point where you need to do whatever it takes to make sure that that actually happens. And you get connected with the right people who can hold you accountable. You create deadlines. You make sure and can envision what life is like on the other end. And I know it's hard, but you know what? The, the, the struggle makes it all the much better when you, when you kind of break through that. So commit, commit, commit. That's the first thing I always tell people when they're trying to start an online business. Well, you, you can't kind of do it halfway. I mean, yes, you can be smart with it in terms of how much time you put into it, but you, you can't half commit. You have to commit fully if you want to make a change. Jeff? Um, I think the advice I would give to this person is, you know, you don't know what you're doing with your finances. Well, figure it out. It's very, very simple. Go to Walmart, buy a little notepad that you can pay, put in your pocket for 97 cents or whatever they charge, and every time you spend money, write it down in your notepad. At the end of the day, add it up, and then at the end of the week, add it up. And then when you're adding it up at the end of the week, look at this and say, oh, I went to Wendy's and spent $13 on chicken nuggets and Frosties. Well, looking at it four days later, did, is that something that you wanted to do now, even four days later? Or is that just something that you did because you were feeling rushed or it's habitual at this point? And then from there, you can start to slowly get your ship under control and turn it back the right way. But it starts with stopping the random and relatively pointless spending that you do every day without thinking about it. So th thanks, everyone, the three of you, so much for being a part of this podcast. It's been super valuable. One last thing before we go. Let's go down the line and tell the listeners where they can find you and connect with you. Yeah, you can find me, whether you call me Harlan or Luke or Flexo. It seems to be... Uh, Still a big question in the uh, financial blogging world, but Whatever anyway, your personal preferences. <laughs> um, it, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, you can find me at Plutus Foundation, P L U T U S Foundation dot O R G. Pat. Yeah, you can find me at smartpassiveincome.com or uh, you can look me up at Pat Flynn on Twitter. Everything else is connected from there. Great, and Jeff. And you can find me at sustainablelifeblog.com. All right, so thanks everyone for listening to the end. You know where to find me. I'm always at personalprofitability.com. Thank you so much to the guests for being a part of it. Thank you to the FinCon community for supporting us and letting us up here on the stage. Um, everyone, just stay on it, keep being profitable, and we'll talk to you next time.